Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, like I was saying, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys are, uh, uh, y'all were able to make it out today. We're so glad to be back. We were out of town last weekend. I heard that y'all did such a great job. Our team did a great job setting up for service. Uh, Anna, our guest speaker, did she do an amazing job or what? Yeah, she did great. I was, uh, I was actually... Um, me and Lauren, we went out of town for a wedding, and um, while we, we went to church, um, and when we were at church, I pulled out my phone, and I started watching Facebook Live, <laughs> I was, and, uh, and I was, you know, because the message was nice and everything, but I was like, let me see what Anna's all about, and then uh, it, it, it looked great, you know, it, sounded, it sounded great, um, but I, I really got to say that we missed you guys so much, it felt like we were gone for so long, even though it was one weekend, um, and we are officially starting a new series called Spiritual Potential, Spiritual Potential. And uh, in this series, we're going to really just be unpacking the, the potential within the Spirit of God and how truly everything in this world has a supernatural potential when we place it in God's hand. We have a, a, a value at our church an aspirational value that is never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. And that's really what we're going to be uh, unpacking um, this whole month. And today specifically, we're going to talk about, uh, that's not the right one. <laughs> we're going to talk about where to start, where to start. Um, man, that's a, that's a whoopsie. <laughs> that's the old, uh, that's the old title from before we left. So I egg on my face. I'm so embarrassed, but the, the title today is Where to Start, Where to Start, and we're going to be uh, talking about, uh, we're going to be talking today about putting reverence on God. We're going to talk about putting reverence on God, and reverence is when you have um, uh, like a deep sense of honor for something, and when we revere God, it activates a power within our lives spiritually. When we honor God, it's able to multiply and impact God's potential in every area of our life. And we're going to look today specifically about the ABCs of where to start. You like that? ABCs is an acronym. Uh, the ABCs of where to start when it comes to spiritual potential and, and how to activate that spiritual power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And a simple, a simple way that I like to explain this, um, like I'll have, uh, especially since we work with the Bible College, I'll have people ask me, how do I prepare the content for our, our messages? Because they're just so fire, right? They're just great. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I expected like a little more uh, response there. But I'll, whenever people ask me how that, the preparation goes into the content, uh, for me personally, I actually spend more time in prayer and worship than I do in trying to um, activate, actively study. I mean, I'm always studying the Word, but rather than uh, searching online for different ideas or content, there's a lot of pastors that actually will use um, uh, content online that they find uh, rather than preparing it themselves, which is not, it's not a slight against them for doing that, but uh, it's really common for, for a lot of speakers to in a sense, get use content that's already out there. Like, why reinvent the wheel? But when, when it comes to in our preparation, we put it a high emphasis on prayer and worship. And it's almost like uh, counterintuitive because prayer and worship doesn't directly go into preparing a message, to articulating the words to form a message. But it's an example of the spiritual potential of when you, when you honor God, when you seek God, of how it will cause other things to simply flow. And there's, there's so, so many times where I'll just spend that time of prayer and worship, and then when I sit down for the message, it just like flows. It, it feels like I'm just almost like an interpreter. Like I'm just, I'm just writing out what's, what's coming into my heart. And when, I, when I've tried to do that the opposite way, when I'm like, oh, I, I really need to prepare this message. I don't have time to, to do worship or prayer. I just need to get straight into the Word. Man, I'll, I'll just get stumped. I'll just get stumped, and I'll feel like I'm just... Uh, I'll start writing things, and, uh, and then I'll be like, man, this sounds like garbage. This just doesn't sound good. It, it, I feel like I'm not making a point. And I'll, have all, I'll run into all these roadblocks compared to when I focus on the Spirit instead. And I believe it's a simple example of what it's like for almost every other area of our lives, that when we honor God, when we put God first, 
it causes this flow. It causes this flow in our lives. And so to get started, I wanna, uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. And the book of Haggai is a book from the minor prophets. It's one of those books that you forget is a book in the Bible. When you, re- when you, when you come across it, you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize I was in there. So whenever you're about to hear a message from the book of Haggai, you know it's going to be good, right? It's not going to be, there's not going to be any scripture in here that you could put on a coffee mug, okay? There's not going to be any uh, uh, pretty wall decor with scriptures from Haggai on it, right? It's going to just be a really base message as we go, as we're going to read the whole chapter of chapter one of Haggai. So y'all ready? Yeah, come on, you guys, I know we stayed up late for our Christmas party, come on. Um, So starting in Haggai 1.1, it says, On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Can we just clap for me for just nailing those names right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. (laughs) This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. So to give some backdrop, the people of Israel have come back from exile. They've been exiled. They've been uh, they've been uh, they were taken captive out of their land. And now uh, King Darius overthrew Babylon. And now people are returning they're, they're returning to their homeland. They're returning to their promised land. And, it, and they've been rebuilding their own homes. And it, sa- and it says the people are saying it's not time to rebuild the house of the Lord yet because we're still building our own homes. We're still building back the cities. And then this is what happens. The message comes from the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. While, I, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and the olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you've worked so hard to get. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shethiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from their God, from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Another synonym for feared is revered. They revered the Lord. They honored God by listening to what the Lord was saying. And it says, oh, sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, Then it says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people, and they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. So, we, I know that we looked at a lot, but the first thing we're going to talk about is alignment. This is the A, ABCs. Remember, alignment is important. Alignment, man, all these little sentence fragments today. Alignment is important. Your walk with God should be your first priority. Your walk with God should be your first priority. See, in, within this passage, 
we, we see that the people of Israel had other priorities before their, their relationship with God, their walk with God. And this passage shows how God was not pleased and he was not satisfied with being an afterthought. He wasn't satisfied with being second, or not even second, but last on the list. They've done everything else. They, they not only rebuilt their homes, they not only uh, planted crops, but the Bible sa- in the scripture it says you, you're living in luxurious houses. So they took, they didn't just like throw up some, some adobes. They took their time and built nice homes. They, they took their time and start, were planting and harvesting crops. And they continuously ignored their creator. They ignored their God, even though they were praying to God for them to be able to be restored to their homeland. So they were praying for years and years, saying, God, bring us back home, bring us back home, bring us back home. And then they go home, and they do everything else except thank God through their actions. And I want, I want you to just think for a moment, because I feel like our human nature has this, this tendency to play the devil's advocate against God. And, and we have this, this natural tendency to like, well, why does God want so much of us? Why does he want to be first? I mean, it, it, we, ha- we have this, like, this tendency to try to make reasons of why it's not right of God to, to, to ex- have those expectations or standards of us. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I want you to just think for a moment. What intimate or meaningful relationship is happy and content with being belittled or ignored? Think of any meaningful relationship in your life that is satisfied and content with being ignored, with being belittled. And yet we expect God, who is the giver of life, every breath we breathe is, his, is a gift. He, he's done much in our lives, and we have this, this idea that he's asking too much of us or that he's being unfair when we belittle our relationship with him when we ignore the God of the universe. Y'all feel that? Why do we, why do we allow ourselves to put, him in, uh, put this relationship in this completely different uh, dynamic of category when it comes to relationships, when it is supposed to be one of the most meaningful intimate relationships of our entire lives? The very connection to our souls. And this whole instance, it, I want us to look at this idea because... Their cities were burned down, and they had come back from captivity. I don't know how, I I didn't look up how much time had elapsed since they were back from captivity. But to think for a moment that that would seem like a good reason, right? Like, hey, come on, we just just got done being slaves. Come on, God. (laughs) We're just trying to, we want to live in the moment again. We want to feel good. It's like, if you've ever been like struggling to where you're barely paying the electricity, what's the first thing you do when you get a fat paycheck? I'm going to go buy something I don't need. <laughs> you want to you feel good? They went from being exiled. <laughs> They're like, oh, we got back. Let's make this house nice. I want to live good. I want to feel good. See, it, we, could, we could see that as being somewhat reasonable. But if, if God, after the time period that they were doing that, he's like, hey, guys, 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 you're forgetting something. Now, if we were to take a step back and think about how, if that wasn't a good enough reason for God, for them to ignore rebuilding their walk with God after being exiled, now think about how we use our, our simple and seemingly uh, ordinary or busy schedule as an excuse that is, we declare good enough for us to ignore God. It, look, everybody has problems. Everyone has troubles. Um, I don't know if anyone here has been exiled, but we all, we, have, we all go through struggles. But have you noticed that we use any struggle that we go through as a reason? I, 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 don't, I don't like to use the word excuse because it seems demeaning. But we, we use these reasons to excuse ourselves from, from rebuilding our walk with God. It, it, it just, it, we have this nature to just justify our passivity when it comes to our walk with God. And 
this scripture, this story is showing us that at the end of the day, God is an understanding God. It's one of, it's one of the, the attributes of God is understanding. He understands when something is genuinely difficult for us. But at the end of the day, the story is showing that we should not excuse ourselves from rebuilding our walk with God. That it is something meaningful and important. And alignment, I want us to think about alignment. Alignment in life is incredibly important. Our alignment. See, I, I feel like alignment, it makes me think of a spine. And with, uh, just like a spine, if one disc is out of alignment, you will feel pain in the rest of your body. You will feel pain in the rest of your body. And in order, uh, if, you were to, if you were to have an importance on your own spine, I, I just got done seeing my dad when we went to visit um, Del Rio. And my dad is, is crazy. Like he's an old, uh, he's old, he's a, he's a like old school cowboy guy. And uh, to where one time he, he literally, his bicep ripped off of his, his tendon, like when he was 60 when he was lifting a truck tire. And you would think, I mean, some of us are like, we get like a twitch in our eye and we're like, oh my gosh, I need to see the doctor. <laughs> like, something's wrong with me. This man has a ripped bicep, like literally like, and he was like, uh-oh. And he put, uh, turned his jacket into a sling and waited three weeks to go to the hospital in Mexico because it was cheaper. <laughs> and, and he, and he put it off for three weeks. Why? Why would you wait three weeks? Well, he had other things he had to do. <laughs> and this, when we went to visit him this last weekend, he, he's been, when I talked to him on the phone, he's been con- complaining about like his back hurting and stuff. And he was talking about how he must have pulled something like a slip disc in his spine to where it's hard for him to move around. It's hard for him to lift things. And he's like, I guess this is it for me. <laughs> and... And instead of going to like a doctor to see like, what could we do? He got one of those things from Academy to where you like latch yourself on your ankles and it turns upside down and it's supposed to decompress your back. And he was like, I'll just do this until <laughs> something happens. And, and he was helping some lady load a trailer. Again, a possible slip disc in his back. And he's just, this is my life now. <laughs> and this, he was helping a lady put a trailer on the back of a truck. Now, He's telling me that the trailer hitch was kind of high. And so he's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So he went real deep. And as he started going, he heard a really loud pop. (laughs) See, those of us who are older, we're the only ones like, oh. (laughs) But see, he heard the loud pop, and he lost all feeling in his legs, and he fell backwards, like into a wall like this, or into the truck. And he was like, oh, man, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) That's what he's telling me. I'm just, I'm done. It's over. And that, that he was like, well, uh, let me just try to uh, shimmy the trailer hitch on my legs to, to be able to get it for, for this leg. <laughs> so here he is, not feeling his legs. I'm like, all right, well, I'm on the floor now, so I'll just. <laughs> and then after he hitches it, while on the floor, with him thinking that he's paralyzed, not making a big, just, just can't walk anymore. He then gets up and realizes that he, he feels completely better. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> and he realized that when he did that, he popped his disc back into place. <laughs> and he's like, well, that worked out. <laughs> and see, that, I share that whole story to, to show how when you have one thing out of alignment, it can make the rest of your life feel horrible. <laughs> but when, it, when you get that one thing in right alignment, in the right segment, if you, the right level of importance, it seems like everything else starts to flow. It feels like everything else is just working out now. And when it comes to the order of importance, that, a biblical idea of, of importance when it comes to how we should prioritize our lives, I, I would suggest it to be like this. The number one thing that we should make priority is our relationship with God. That should be number one priority. And, and I'm, I'm talking from being a happily married man of 10 years. I believe that my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with my wife. 
The second thing on that list for when applicable would be marriage, your spouse. And, and I would even prioritize that to be above my kids. Now, let me explain. The next thing would be family. And, the, and then the next thing would be work. And then the next thing would be your community, your friends, your church family. So let me, let me break it down. For my, if I were to put God above my wife, it seems counterintuitive. But when my relationship with God is good, when my relationship with God is in right standing, it will inadvertently affect my relationship with my wife. When I'm in right standing with God, the, the Holy Spirit has this counter effect that causes the fruits of the Spirit to be more apt in my nature to where I will love my wife better because of my relationship with God. For my kids, I will inevitably treat my kids better when my, the relationship with my spouse is good. It, it, it has this flow. And if you're thinking that, well, that, no, that doesn't work for every single one of those things. Let me, let me make this real. Maybe you've experienced this or you know somebody from work to where they were having a bad day at work and they had a bad attitude with everybody and you found out is because they had problems at home. And it affected to have, it produced problems at work. See, it's this chain effect. And so it is, it goes all the way down the line. And it, it's, it's easier to leave work at work, but it's a lot harder to leave family with family. See, these things just, it has this chain effect that follows us down the line. And if we were to put the, the priority on this kind of alignment, just try it. Just try it. Try, try focusing on the first thing, the most important thing in your life, your walk with God. Just try to put that first and see how it will bless the rest of those areas of your life. It's all about alignment. You will pop, if you pop that into place, you're going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's so many people, so many marriages that are on the rocks that when they, when they pop in that God piece, all of a sudden they're, they're married. All of a sudden they're just like lovey-dovey and they were like on the bridge of divorce and all of a sudden they're, they're lovey-dovey, all, all, all things working out. I've seen it time and time again and it's when you put God as your priority. And, it, and it's the same as you go down line. Now I want to I wanna just make a sidestep because we often, uh, it, it's, we often think that you need to have, you need to prioritize yourself as like another disc. See, we think it's God, family, but what about me? What about my own personal needs? Uh, what I want to project to you is that it, with all these other discs in your life, your, your own self is more like the spinal cord that intertwines them all. And you have to, you have to learn how to really, really how to adapt and carry these different priorities in life while doing your best to take care of yourself. Because if, if, if you're going through a depression, all of those discs are going to be affected. See, depression is just affecting you, but all of those areas will be affected. If you, if you didn't get enough sleep, that's you, right? That's your spinal cord. You're, that's you. If you don't get enough sleep, all those areas are going to be affected. There'd be times where, I, uh, so many times where me or someone else would be like, man, I'm being spiritually attacked. The devil's attacking me. I've just like been down and in and, and just a horrible mood. And then I got a good night's rest and you're like, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> I think I'm actually good. <laughs> and I realized it was just a natural need for sleep. And see, that's, a, that's that spinal cord where it flows to everything else. When I get good sleep, I treat my wife better. <laughs> I treat my kids better. But when I don't get any sleep or when I'm hungry, all of a sudden you're irritable. It affects everything else. See that? So you have to take care of yourself. But that, it's not something that has like a sense of where we prioritize this over that. We still have to take care of those other discs. But it's like your, your personhood is something that is this continual uh, nature that's connected to everything. Y'all dig what I'm saying? We cannot neglect these other discs to work on it because it all flows together. Now, I want to go on to our next point, which we, we talked about A, alignment. Let's talk about B, 
blessing and honor, blessing and honor. A blessed life is found in your reverence to God. A blessed life is found in your reverence to God. And I want to be clear because of how, um, how misinterpreted the idea of blessing can be. Blessing, uh, when, I, when I speak of blessing, in no way am I I'm trying to fixate on the idea of financially blessed like prosperity gospel message would be. I'm not talking about financially blessed. I'm talking about the blessing of life that, that in which you are satisfied. Like when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, I'm talking about the satisfied life, a satisfied life, a fulfilled life, contentment within yourself. And in this prophetic message to Israel, it shows that our efforts in life are either blessed or cursed. All the way back to Deuteronomy, God tells the people of Israel, I've laid out before you blessings and cursings, but the choice is yours. And that it, it pretty much describes that when we align ourselves with God, that we will be blessed. But if we align ourselves outside of God, that we'll be cursed. And it's just its natural order. It's not that God is pressing a button to curse you. We are in a state of curse because of Adam. The curse of Adam was that we would reap thorns and thistles on this earth. The curse of Adam is pain and death. But when we choose God, we are we are reverting back to God's intention of us being blessed when the garden was originally created. And so if we were to understand that we have a choice of blessing or cursing, it's all in accordance to our reverence and right standing with God. When, when, we, when we impart God to our lives, when we impart the Holy Spirit to our lives, it, it shows that uh, God is able to turn that curse into a blessing. This word that he was speaking to the people of Israel was in regard to their work, their financial stability, and their, their own gain, because at the moment, that was what was most important to them. When In the scripture, he's saying, you, 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 sow, you sow much, but you reap little. Your, your pockets have holes in them. And he's talking about how everything that you're doing is, is insatiable. That was the biggest focus of their life. And I want you to think about what it is that's your primary focus right now. That, would, that, you, that you realize is above God, that you realize is, is more important than your honor for God in your life. And at first glance, it seems counterintuitive because you think that you have to get this right first and then you will settle up with God. That's like the number one reason I hear with people when they're on the fence about uh, rebuilding their walk with God about going to church. Well, I just need to get right with God first before I start going to church. You ever thought that or heard someone say that? Before? See, it's counterintuitive because you're putting greater emphasis on yourself and your own ability to be good rather than trusting God to finish the work with you. It's like, it's really, it's really simple of just chasing after God and everything else will settle up. When you put God first, it's like this, this natural thing happens where, where things just end up working out within your character, within your life. And even though it seems counterintuitive, God, when you actually honor God, when you honor God in your life, it's showing that you trust Him by giving Him priority. It's a sign of faith when you put Him first. You're saying, I, it's not ignoring other things in your life. It's saying, even though I have all these other things that I could do, I'm going to put you first in my life, God, because it is most important. It, me and my wife, we, we love date night. And it's a lot harder to do with three kids, but we love date night. And the reason that we emphasize that where even if we can't go out like we used to, we still have these moments at the end of the day where we spend time together. The reason that we do that is, is not because we don't have anything else to do. I feel like I'm like three steps behind in everything in my life. I have a lot of, on my plate. But even, instead of just saying, oh, well, we still need to do this, we still need to do this, we put, we put priority on our relationship, say, well, this is more important than this. And, and even when it comes to, to church and ministry, I've had to learn that placement to where the times where I put church above my relationship with my family or my wife, man, it, it, it was just not healthy. And see, it's counterintuitive, like, oh, I could be doing more, but 
It's like, yeah, but this is more important for my family right now, for my wife. It's about that priorities. And when you honor God by giving him priority, it, it turns those curses in our lives into blessings. Think of how often we use the areas of our lives that are lacking as a reason to excuse ourselves in which we depreciate our reverence for God. Think about how many times we've made reason of why we can't go to church today. I just got a lot going on. It was a busy week. And we make a lot of reasons of why we can't go to church. And I'm not saying that your relationship with God is defined by your church attendance. But, but this, it's a real simple concept. Church is something important when it comes to our faith. It's simply a day where we, we honor God by showing up and gathering with his, with his people. It's just a specific intentional day that is an atmosphere for us to specifically worship God, right? It, it's not that our salvation is dependent on church, but church is a very meaningful sacrament of our faith. And think about how often we make reasons of why we can't go to church today. It, it's, it's something so simple, but we, we continuously look for reasons, and it boils down to priority. It, for, for, um, for us to understand, uh, for us to understand, uh, the idea of like just simple as church, like me and Lauren, we're church planters. Okay. You think we would be like sick of church (laughs) when we went to this wedding, we went uh, out of town last weekend. We went to a wedding. The day of the wedding was on Sunday, and we had, uh, I had to be suited up. I had to go like, I had to be at a location at an inconvenient time for pictures and everything. And it was just like, it'd be so much simpler, just like, oh, well, we just can't go to church today. We went to church. We went to church, and, and we, we, it was something simple. Even though it made it a little more complicated, I'm going to have to leave 10 minutes early so I can go change, and then I'm going to come pick y'all back up. We still went to church. Why? Because it's a priority for us in our, in our family, in our marriage. We want our kids to see the importance of church. Me and Lauren, even before we had kids, it was always a priority. For even when we would go on vacation, we would go out of town to some random city, whatever, we would just find a local church and go. Why, why would we do that? Because we just saw God as a priority even in our marriage. And for me, as much as I'm just like a catch, right? <laughs> I'm a great catch, right? Our marriage is blessed. We have a a great marriage, a happy marriage, not because me or Lauren are significantly great, but because we both have put priority of God in our lives and it causes our marriage to be blessed. And I would, I would just like how I started this, this point out talking about how we are in a, we are innately in our nature. We are born into a cursed world, the curse of Adam. That is what these people of Israel were experiencing that they would sow and reap little. They would so much reap little that they would uh, that they would try to do a lot, but it would never be enough. Man, have you ever felt like that in your life? <laughs> I'm starting to get like PTSD. It, everything that w- they were doing wasn't giving them amount that they wanted to get. Because the the work is insatiable when it's cursed. And everything in your life, if you just look for a moment at all the things that you've chased above priority of God is become insatiable. It is never enough. It is never enough. But when you put God first, it reverses that curse. Unintentionally rhymed, but (laughs) it reverses the curse of Adam. And it it allows us to where even when we sow little, we reap much. It it turns that, that equation around. And again, I'm not talking like financially. It, financial could be included in this, but I'm talking about in the area of the idea of having this satisfaction in life. I'm talking about marriage, relationships, our kids, our families. I'm talking about these things. When we put God first, it causes those things to be blessed. Now, I want to share one last point, and that is can't wait. Can't wait. When we make time, we make time for what is important. We make time for what is important. In this story, the people who heard this message, they didn't have any of the resources prepped to, build, to start rebuilding the house of God. They had done all the work that, for the other things. They had not, that's why in the scripture it says, 
go and bring timber down. It says that they started, let me just like check my notes. It says that they started, that they heard this message August 29th, right? August 29th. And at the end, it says that they began rebuilding the house on September 21st. They got the word August 29th. They started building September 21st. That is less than 30 days in which they responded with action. 30 days. And um, this is not an individual level. It wasn't just a single person. You're talking about getting an entire nation of people to wholeheartedly grasp without any internet connection. There's no news outlets. They literally established this word of God to go forth to everybody so that everybody was heard the news and was on the same page and went and got the timber and began rebuilding the house. So what it shows is that almost instantly they began, they, they responded with action to, to start in order to build, start rebuilding within 30 days. It, it shows that not only were they rebuilding the temple, it's symbolic that they were rebuilding their relationship with God. That's what it represented. Within 30 days, they had started rebuilding an entire nation. Yet, we take months and years to begin rebuilding our walk with God. We, we put it off till next week, to next month, to next year. I mean, so I feel like in 2022, when the year began, so many of us were like, this year, I'm going to really take it seriously. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then, like, you know, things happen. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, next week, I'm going to start. And then next week, turn to next month. The next month, I'm going to start, though. This summer, I'm going to really get, get on it. And now we're at the end of the year, and you're like, this year is going to be the year. <laughs> and, and you have this thought, like, well, I could start now. It's like, the new year is a is a better it'll just be all cohesive at new year's day that then i'll start see we have this nature to continuously put off things that are important and if you allow it you will always have another reason to come up with of why you can't start today if you allow it if you continue to allow those those ideas to to germinate in your mind of why you can't today it will always cause you to make a reason of why you can't rebuild your walk with God. The biggest mistake to make is to believe that you need to have everything right before you start something. And that's in every area of life. That, that you need to have everything right before you start. A lot of us have like our fitness goals, right? And like this year, I'm going I'm to get a gym membership. I'm going to put a diet plan. And, and have you noticed that sometimes when we get in that groove and we're like, yeah, I'm really going to get this. And we start trying to like do all, all the details first. At the end of the day, we could have just like went out for a walk today. <laughs> we put it off. Well, next week I'm going to really start. It's like you could literally start right now today. Next week, though, I'll be really ready. And then we get... We, we get almost like anxious as it gets closer. We get so anxious and we build it up and then it's actually time to start. And also you're like, this is, it was just too much. <laughs> I, I put too much on myself and I, I, I realized that I was just, uh, and we start making reasons of why we can't actually start because we overwhelmed ourselves. Just let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple and just have it in our mind that to just start with one step, to start with one step, one single step. It's very easy to use the idea of preparedness as a form of procrastination. The idea of preparedness becomes a form of procrastination. We, we need to stop putting off and allowing for one more excuse to come between us and rebuilding something that is in shambles. I, I strongly believe, I strongly believe that 80% of success in any area of life comes by showing up. Just show up. If you just show up, 80%, that's, you, you did it. 
The other 20% is what you do when you show up. But if you just think about this simple idea, it's like this tone of fitness. If you just show up to the gym, you're, you'll most likely lose some, uh, uh, move some weights around. Even if you just walk around the gym, it would have still been better than just sitting on the couch, right? See, just showing up puts you in the, in the atmosphere for success of whatever area it is. There'd be times where me and Lauren would go on a date and the devil would attack us when we were getting ready. Y'all ever have that happen to you with someone? And all of a sudden you're going on a date. It's supposed to be a sweet, romantic evening. And all of a sudden you get into a fight right before you leave. The devil. Definitely not me. <laughs> it's either Lauren or the devil, right? <laughs> That's what Adam did. He blamed Eve and Eve blamed the devil. <laughs> but see, it's, and so often we, we get, we do that and we're like, it, it, it is easy to make it like, you know what, let's just forget it. We're not going to go on a date. Man, me and Lauren went on some angry dates. <laughs> not every day is angry. Don't get me wrong. Only very few, very few. But man, we would still go. We would still go because we just knew that we needed to show up for that day anyway. And man, I'll be, I'll be real with y'all. There'll be some days where we ate like in total silence. <laughs> so awkward. And one of those dates was actually how we met Shay and Jonah. <laughs> we went to P.F. Chang's and me and Lauren got into a, a fight right before. And Shay was our waitress. <laughs> but we showed up anyway and praise God, look at the fruit. We got Jonah right here front row <laughs> starting the live video. <laughs> See, we show up. Anyway, and it is able to bear fruit. I'm telling you, 80% of success is just showing up. I'm pretty sure that we probably had a baby just by showing up like that. <laughs> That's how one of our kids was born, just like that. We showed up even though we were angry at each other. <laughs> but if you were to understand, if you just show up, you don't have to have it all planned out. You don't have to have the. You don't have to know how it's going to work out. You just need to show up, and you'll be surprised how successful you will be. You know, at the beginning of this next year, we do something every year. We do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. And this year, we're going to start January 8th. January 8th. We usually do like the first Sunday of the month uh, of January, the first Sunday of the year. But this Sunday will be the first. And I, I just don't want to overwhelm people. So we'll move it to the 8th. <laughs> we'll move it to the 8th. So you have this grace period to get like, you know, anything out of your system, like you need to get some Krispy Kreme donuts before you fast or something. Like you have some time to like uh, grace period. But we do 21 days of fasting and prayer every year. It's something that me and Lauren did, not, not because of a church. It's something that we always did just ourselves. And when we got married, we continued to do it. And when we started the church, we, we do it all together. And the, the reason that we do this is, is really because of what we're talking about today is the spiritual potential and putting God first at the very beginning of the year. Uh, of dedicating the very first of a brand new year to God. Saying, God, I want you to be the very first thing I think about this year. God, I want you to, I, I want to literally lift this, this first month of the year up to you as an offering. When I dedicate to you and I want to give you the first, not the end of the year, I want to give you the beginning of the year. I want to give you the best I got right now, and I want to just focus on you. And I really encourage you to join us in the spiritual pursuit the beginning of this year. There's a couple things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing the 21 days of fasting. I'll explain that more later, but fasting is where you deprive your flesh of pretty much good stuff and to, in order to focus on your spirit. And the, what that is, is you're lessening your, your, your fleshly person, you're lessening your flesh in order to grow your spirit. You, uh, the, the, the Bible says that these two things are constantly at war with each other, our flesh and our spirit. And so we deprive our flesh in order to uh, raise our spirit. And it's a, within this 21 days of fasting, we're also going to be having prayer calls uh, more uh, throughout the week. We're going to have every Monday and Wednesday as well as Saturday night, we're going to be doing a prayer call at eight o'clock in the evening for a time for us to be able to get uh, through Zoom 
It's going to be through Zoom, so you can just call in wherever you're at, and we're going to just have this call where we get on this call and pray together. And the other thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to, uh, we're going to do a, uh, a New Testament challenge. It's a challenge that we also do every year where we, we read through the entire New Testament within the 30 days. For starting January, the, the New Testament challenge starts January 1st and it ends January 30th. And it, it, the readings is really like uh, probably 11 chapters to 11, 12 chapters a day of the New Testament. And we, we do it together on the YouVersion Bible app. But the, the, this challenge, what it is, is you read through the entire New Testament within that first 30 days. It only takes like half an hour, maybe 45 minutes if you're a slower reader. But it, it's a small, a small portion of our day that, that we're dedicating to God. And I'm telling you, it is the most edifying experience to just blast through the New Testament. And it's funny how often we will make excuses of why we shouldn't do that. We're like, well, I, I, like I want to just take a little scripture and marinate on the Word. Well, that's nice and all, but I'm telling you, if you just really blast your mind and spirit with the Word of God, it, even if you, don't, you feel like you don't even remember what you read like right then, I'm telling you, there's still times, like years later, when, I have scriptures coming to mind. They just come to mind at the right moment because of the moments I did New Testament challenge. The times where I just drank from the word of God like a, like a fire hydrant instead of a water hose. And it's a powerful thing to experience. And, and I'm telling you, you'll be so edified in your faith. You'll feel so much closer to God in, in your relationship. And, and you'll feel empowered. I think that's a great word to, to uh, define what this this pursuit is, is it is an empowering experience for your faith. I mean, aren't you tired of feeling like your, your faith is this weak, brittle person with a cane? Don't, don't, you, don't you want your faith to be this deadlifting warrior? <laughs> I look at Joel. I want my faith to look like Joel, right? <laughs> and see, this, is, this time is really just putting your faith on, on this blast to be able to have this this intentional pursuit and to know that by not only during the time, but by the end of it, you're going to feel confident in your faith. I mean, when's the last time you felt confident in your prayer life? So where we, if someone asked you to pray, you're, you weren't like, like, Oh crap. <laughs> but if someone asked you to pray, you're like, I got this. And you, you would pray with passion and you'd pray with pr power. And when someone would tell you later, like, Oh man, what you pray, man, it really meant a lot. And it, it made a difference when I went back to work, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Not that, you know, it's meaningful, but I'm making it, it's hypothetical. <laughs> and, and imagine that the, the encouragement you would feel knowing that you prayed for someone and something happened, that you were confident in that. It, see, that, that is why I feel like so much of churchianity is, is unfulfilling. When we go to church just for church, is is very unsatisfying but when you go for the pursuit of actually growing a strong faith when you go for actually the thought of being able to be used to edify somebody else it makes your walk with God incredibly more meaningful I am not satisfied with ordinary church it is not it is not good for me but when we have real passionate pursuit like the time we're about to have Man, that's stuff I can live for. With all that being said, I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here, as I was talking about this, this whole talk from the book of Haggai, as I was going over the ABCs of, of how to, where to start our spiritual potential in our lives, maybe you feel like that's exactly what you've been needing. Maybe you, have, you feel like you have this unarticulated problem. You don't know how to define it, but there's this, this heaviness on your life, and you don't know why you feel stagnant. You don't know why you feel stuck, and you just feel like there's this wedge. There's something blocking you from fulfillment. There's something blocking you from even happiness. I would beckon the idea that it's spiritual, and that if you were to put God first in your life, that you would have a breakthrough. If you're here today with every head bowed and eye closed and you feel like that is you and you need to, to prioritize God in your life. Maybe it's for the very first time and you've never had a moment in which you 
made Jesus the Lord of your life and Savior to your soul. You've never made an actual decision to do that, and you want to do that today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. So right where you're at, I want you to just have your own conversation with Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself, that that is all it takes to start this rebuilding with him, this journey with him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to him yourself. That's what he really wants. Now, while they're doing that for the rest of you, if you feel like this is the message you needed to hear today, you feel like you need to start rebuilding something in your life with God, and you feel like this was the reminder that you needed, the motivation you needed, you feel like the Holy Spirit was talking to you today, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see all your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just cause our hearts to be softened, cause our hearts to even be broken that we may put you first today, that we would begin this rebuilding of our lives with you at the forefront, that we would begin building on top of our walk with God and putting it first, giving it priority. And I pray that you'd cause, as these people do this, make this commitment, this decision to put you first, I pray that you cause the other things in their lives to, to align, that you'd cause a peace to flow in their lives. I I pray for your Holy Spirit to move in their lives with power. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and um, uh, go into a time of worship. But before we do, we're going to sign off online. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the Get Connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the Give tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Gravetop Church.